This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Darren Moser, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel Prue, who's down in the Enterprise Library. Brushing up on your history, Daniel? Yeah, okay, so the James T. Kirk Memorial... Li- whatever whatever happened to him, anyways? Do we even know what happened to, to James Kirk? Uh... You gonna? I mean, I'm I'm on the fourth shift, so if you ask the first shift captain, uh, Captain Picard, he might know. Okay, I uh, hear right, that. that's the that's the scuttlebutt. And I'm also joined by Philip Gilfus, the fourth podcaster to bear the name. Philip, how does it feel to come from such a great lineage? Well, you know, the 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 first two were really good. Uh, the third, <laughs> eh, he, he, he didn't really get that many downloads, really. Um, not, he didn't really have a lot of the right equipment to, like his mic was terrible. Um, and he didn't know, he worked on a terrible computer. Uh, the fourth one was actually a femme me, um, which is kind of, you know, it was a different kind of cosplay, uh, opportunity. So if anyone wants to do that one, um, but, but, but I, I feel like, uh, you know, I come from a good stock of, of co-hosts. That that's true. Thanks for correcting me because it, it's so hard. To, it, are you the fourth podcast or the fifth? It seems like it keeps changing. It's really hard to tell. Right. Uh, well, well there was one person who did it, but before it was called podcasting. So oh, I don't really count them I guess, officially. I guess you could, yeah, say it doesn't yeah. really count. Yeah, they were doing a radio show, so that's it's not really the same. Well, you, you know, it's an actual English word that Whoa. means. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, welcome to Scuttlecast. <laughs> if you if you go to the root word, it's actually <laughs> no. We're not going to be talking about ship of the line again. This, uh, the, but we are talking about a ship of the line. We are going to be talking about the Enterprise NCC one seven zero one C. Uh, which, you know, to be honest, there's not a lot to go off of, but I think we can do a a uh, captain's yacht sized episode and uh and treat some people to this so let's get right to it cap uh the enterprise c i mean just obviously i mean we're i'm going to try to make sure this isn't just let's talk about yesterday's enterprise because we could easily just talk about yesterday's enterprise as it is the only time we ever see the ship and that was not a pun <laughs> I, see, I see uh, what you did there oh <laughs> here come the sea puns yeah. um but yeah, but no. Starting with that, you know, the Enterprise C was launched in twenty three thirty two, and had Captain Rachel Garrett as its commanding, you know, officer the entire, you know, entirety of its run. Uh, but this, you well, know, not the entirety. Well, okay, okay. Well, yes, there's a little asterisk footnote, you know, that says after she died, you know, but, uh, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about was how. I mean, the genesis of the of the sea is really, you know, let's 
fill in the blank. It's the fill in the blank ship of, well, we need, we know, I mean, at this point when, when, uh, when Star Trek, the next generation, you know, is starting, you know, we don't have the enterprise B yet. Uh, I mean, we can make assumptions, I mean, based off of like the wall that, you know, it's going to be an Excelsior class. I mean, that's, that makes the logical step, but we needed this mysterious middle class, uh, you know, to, to differentiate and to have time pass. So, I mean, it's not a MacGuffin, but it it was something just to drive the... I think of it more of a, of a Horcrux. That's what I think of it as. <laughs> Splitting Voldemort's soul into <laughs> six or so starships. Uh, but what do you guys think of just, you know, when when Star Trek, you know, go back, go way back to, you know, when Next Generation was starting and it's the 1701D. And I mean, we w- was it enough for you guys to make that leap of, okay, obviously there's a couple more ships or... You know, has has this? Am I the only one who's had a fascination with this ship? Or? <laughs> well, I think it's interesting. I mean, because if I remember correctly, originally when they were creating the Next Generation show, they were actually going to put it, I think, in the twenty fifth century. And so this is going to be like the Enterprise, like J or so. I, I don't remember what. I think letter. it was going to be the G. Yeah. So that would have been a much bigger observation lounge. I'm, I'm just saying, with all those ship statues. Um, so I'm glad they kind of was like, let's not have it that far in the future of the 23rd century. So because then they no, literally go from A to G. That's that's a lot of the alphabet. Yeah. Uh, well, there are plenty of the letters. Um, but but no, I mean, yeah, because there just did seem to be that. Like you said, that afterthought. Like, well, of course, the the, the after the A. Or after the Constitution classes, Excelsior, just because I though I don't know why you want that bucket of balls, but um, but I don't know. Well, they I, didn't. That's why they modified it. <laughs> that's the only ship they manufactured for forty years, apparently. So <laughs> it's like well, it's either that or it's the you know Miranda class. Yeah. And I, 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 I yeah. don't think we can do that. Well, they had a um, really good mold, and they just kept cranking those things out. But they broke the constellation, you know, mold. Or the sorry the uh, the Constitution class because you you never see that class in in TNG time ever. You know what it is is that you see the Excelsior uh, mold is actually public domain, um, but the Constitution class still has a copyright on it um, oh, from the yeah. engineer who did it. So yeah, that's why that's why. Uh, no, see, I I was I was telling Daniel on the other side of the arboretum that. What I thought was interesting about the Enterprise C is, like, in some ways we never really saw it because I was just looking at a little YouTube clip of yesterday's Enterprise before we started recording. And, like, the SD of yesterday's Enterprise is so dark because it's literally a dark episode, yesterday's Enterprise. So, like, you really can't see the C. So it wasn't until, like, years later until we started doing HD and Blu-ray. It's like, oh, that's what the ship looks like. What are your thoughts on uh, this intrepid vehicle, Daniel? It's an ambassador. I'm sorry, Cole. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm not trying to make jokes, guys. They just come out. <laughs> yeah, like well, I mean, obviously, maybe my experience was a little bit different because you know, re- I mean, really, I wasn't aware of anything before, and I just thought, you know, when hearing one seven hundred one D, which you know they don't, they say occasionally, but it's it's not super common. I never really put too much stock into it until I was much older and I was aware that, that you know. TOS was a thing, and then they got a ship that looked exactly like their other ship that they just put an A on. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. Um, of course, like 
you know, I, I, I mean, I love the ambassador class. I think it's it's a great looking ship. It it like manages to have elements of the. Uh, oh my goodness, Excelsior class without having any of the ugliness. So I really, really like it. And uh, it does actually really a really good job of bridging the gap and looking exactly like what you would expect it to between, you know, the, the really super fat Excelsior class and the uh, much more uh, pretty designed duh, Galaxy class that we get, of course. Yeah, as a, as a fill-in... I mean, definitely the saucer because the saucer is still perfectly round. I mean, uh, so you and it basically just feels like you elongated out, or not elongated, but but you know, took your select tool and then ratioed up, you know, the the saucer. But the uh, I always felt that the um, engineering section was just like like bottom heavy it was just like well let's just keep building down we could just keep adding decks as many decks as we want i mean the 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 it's just maybe because it's more tubular and it's because it has it feels like it has a big volume in it whereas the d is much more tapered like to those right. points on the sides but it's got a hulking you know big star drive section uh with giant round cells. i mean everything is just scaled up uh almost like they took the you know kirk's enterprise and just let's go back to tube you know let's get rid of these uh you know always choose tubes always choose the tubes uh you know the the nacelles are much much thicker than than the excelsior but they are definitely not like if we're talking ratio wise like the the nacelles on the excelsior class are crazy long they're like half the length of the ship like it's ridiculous like is this our first episode where we're going to talk about the aspect ratio? Except we're going to talk about the cells. <laughs> no, this that... is the nacelle ratio uh, episode. Okay. <laughs> this might be a two-parter. Um, but but uh, it does yeah. end up be having the first Bussard collector as far as yep. progression of the Enterprise. And what I really do like, too, actually, um, and I, I think I mentioned this when we talked about yesterday's Enterprise uh, at some point in the past, uh, and the something I didn't realize until... I saw it in HD, like Philip was mentioning, that you don't get a lot of that detail, is that the neck of the ship is uh, ridged uh, for her pleasure, um, like the Excelsior class is. So uh, you don't get that. Like when you're watching it in, in standard definition, you don't actually see that. But when, you, when, you're, when you're watching it in high def or you see some of the, diff- the different newer models that have come out you know, in the past, you get, to, you get a much better view of that. Now, Daniel, I think all of our listeners are wondering, on the uh, Prunacell scale, where is the Enterprise C? Uh, they're good. They're, I mean, they're good. They're good nacelles. They're a little flat for me, um, in relation to the rest of the ship. Uh, I think it's because what they try to do. Oh, I don't know. I have to look at. Oh, no, no, no. Cause there's the rounded one. Sorry. 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 Yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, they're good. They're good. And you can see that the, the progression from, although it's really, it's a weird kind of shift from the A to the Excelsior, to the C, to the, I'm sorry, yeah, the A to the Excelsior, or the B, I guess you would say, to the C. Um, without the D there, without seeing the whole picture, it's kind of a really strange evolution. Uh, there's a lot of different elements that are gained and lost in different periods of those. Um, but I, I really like, you know, we get the the fancy blue lines and all of that at the end. And uh, it's 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 solid. It's solid. Well, when it comes to the Enterprise C, they um, activated its dormant uh, T cells so that. 
Genesis? <laughs> but I like, like you were saying, Daniel, is they definitely took design elements, you know, from the Excelsior class, uh, you know, which is so strange because, I mean, it, it makes sense, again, because it's this in-between step, but, you know, it's not really like the Excelsior took anything from the original. I mean, yes, the saucer star drive to Nacelle, I mean, but that's just basic brushstrokes. I mean, the Excelsior was a radically different looking ship uh, than the, than the enterprise where even the other ones in that class, I mean, to, from the enterprise, you know, I talk about like Kirk's enterprise to the Miranda to other like kit bashes. Those all kind of like have a family feel, but then the Excelsior is quite a bit different. And you know, I, I don't know. And maybe some of our listeners or maybe the, the TOS guys can tell it's standard rubber guys can tell us, but I imagine it's because it wasn't designed as an enterprise, right? It was designed as a different ship. Mm. And then they just like, just, I'm sure they were just like, hey, we don't have to spend any more money on this. We could just slap the name Enterprise, Enterprise A, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and just move on. And so, but every other ship was specifically designed as an Enterprise that we get to see. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's probably why it kind of feels maybe like uh, a bit of the kind of, you know, ugly stepchild of the Enterprise line. No, I feel like like there's like a movie there, like like Axanar or something, except like you know like choosing the Enterprise B design, and like you had all these different people submitting proposals, like, like there's, throwing there's, darts at the wall. <laughs> like there's like a fan made documentary, like I want to see of like you know Starfleet in the late 23rd century. How are we going to design the Enterprise B? And you see all the people submitting, and the you have the Excelsior team that's trying to like. You know they're they're the front runners, you know, of this uh, of this campaign. And but you see all the other ones like maybe we could go back to Oberth. Shut up, get out of here. <laughs> and, you know, and then you know I'm picturing the JG Hertzler now with like an eye patch and a battle scar, and he's just playing like the executive engineer. He's not even a captain, and he's just like sitting back in his chair, and he's like. Well, when Lieutenant Shelby came through, she put us on track. Every admiral had an idea about how this Excelsior class was going to look, but she cut through it. And she just said, look, you're going to have a round saucer. It's going to look like a circular saw from the top. You're going to take these nacelles and you're going to make them 1.5, no, two times as long. <laughs> no, see, actually, what it is is the, uh, the uh, uh, Excelsior nacelles are like um, the fourth doctor's scarf. They originally just said, you know, we want you to use these materials to make a nacelle, not all the materials to make the nacelle. So. It's like I used everything you gave me. No, I, di- I didn't say use everything. I just said you could use from the table. Uh, well, okay. So, but uh, back to a bit of the Enterprise C's mission, you know, besides being this this fill-in class. Wait, so like is inter- the Enterprise C, is that the middle child of Enterprises? Yeah, I get the feeling it, it really is. Only, I think that's only because we don't know anything about it. No, that, we, and that's absolutely right. It's, it's, the sec- it's the secret of one that we just don't talk about a lot. So does that mean, does that mean the NX Enterprise is like uh, adopted? Or something like what I, would I, that, that be? would probably be the best analogy. Adoption, retcon. I mean, it's basically the same thing. B and C are the middle child, you know, middle children, you know. So the you know the young ones, D and E, get all the attention. The old ones, the A and the original, get all the attention. Nobody pays attention to B and C, and the NXO. So you're saying? So you were saying that the Enterprise C uh, is the Marsha Brady of enterprises. Yeah, oh, Marcia, I'm sorry, Jan Brady. I couldn't even remember her name. That's how bad that was. 
I know. It's all <laughs> Kirk, Kirk, Kirk. <laughs> oh, well, one of the interesting things, if you look at just the Starfleet timeline, is, you know, like I said, the Enterprise C launched in 2332, which was only, you know, a couple years after, you know, the Enterprise B, I think, was, was decommissioned. Uh, but when the Enterprise C is lost, possibly because it's lost so tragically, there's a 19-year gap between the loss of the C in 2344 uh, and the launch of the Enterprise D in 2363. Hashtag too soon. So, yeah, exactly. It's it's almost like they, you know, for once they don't have another ship just rolling off the assembly line. They're like, oh, well, let's just call this one. It's like there's, a tw- <laughs> there's almost 20 year gap where there's no USS Enterprise. No, see, the rule is if you're Admiral a captain was in charge and he said, we're not going to have it. <laughs> no, the rule is if you're a captain and you lose the Enterprise, then you get an Enterprise. But if you go down with your ship and die, you know, there's no one to give a new Enterprise. To. <laughs> yeah. So that's, even that's if the you, rule. Even if you save galactic politics on <laughs> such an immense scale, you still, I mean, there is no actual your enterprise named you know it's 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 uh, it's interesting right i mean because of course we know probably maybe a tiny bit more about the enterprise b than we do the enterprise c so we don't really even know what happened with that ship or i mean there might have been books written about it i'm not sure but uh you know we so it's like this like from the from the launch of the b to the destruction of the c is this giant gap of hey what 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 happened there it's almost like the the reason there's a gap between the C and the, the D is like maybe we've run out of luck with the Enterprises. Like you know, like you know the you know the original Kirk blew his up. A, <laughs> then the B was kind of like, eh, and then the C <laughs> disappeared. So maybe we're, we're just you know let's just wait a while. Uh, maybe you know what the, you know, the problem was. I think people thought that there had been um, too many Enterprises that that they had messed up. The franchise you just had too many enterprises at one a, time you know what i'm saying and then it was they a reboot decided, yeah and they decided was, to wait a while yeah, yeah. <laughs> the enterprise d was a reboot is what you're saying yes well i think some of the other captains that had lost ships were like well hey i just want to keep the name of my ship can i just keep the name and you just put a, a letter after it you did it for the enterprise and they just were getting so many people <laughs> writing in to starfleet headquarters saying well i want to just keep the name and then that would have just messed up their entire naming scheme so they just said you know what let's just Put the Enterprise on hold for 20 years and not name another ship uh, unless we're, it's going to be the flagship. Although, to, you know what? Okay, well, this is a total theory that's popping into my head now out of nowhere. Um, we're all about total theories here on Earl Grey. Uh, oh, Access well, I guess it's not really a total theory because we do know what happens to the sea. I was going to say maybe they just thought it was lost, but no, they, they knew it was lost, lost. Like, they knew it was... That's actually a key part of its history. They <laughs> no, knew I was it was thinking, lost. Because I was thinking, oh, but the sea goes back in time, or forward in time, and then I'm like, oh, but then... But they don't back. know so that. that. No, no, so wait, matter. when the sea was going through time and the Bozeman was going through time and... <laughs> never mind. Did they crash? <laughs> the Bozeman pops out in the Battle of Narenda 3 and just gets obliterated in, like, three seconds. But I like that the fact is, that... The, that the Bozeman disappeared didn't change history at all. <laughs> there That's was a line with the Bozeman out of history. Where was the big shift? Like, where did the lighting shift? It, it went sideways. Now the light's coming from the left side Although on the Enterprise. we do know there's a Bozeman 2. So oh, gosh. No, no, no. I thought we said no, we were no, going to no. talk shit for the line. <laughs> Daniel can't help it. It's just he, I just he love loves so that much. book so much. Well, uh, I, mean, I, I haven't said this yet, so let me just go ahead and say it. I know I've said it in the past. So, like, I, I said earlier, like, 
I didn't know what the C looked like, but I would say in the past five years when I really got a good look at the C in the Ambassador class, and I think especially because of um, uh, Doug Drexler showing the, the, the actual model on his Facebook mm. page, that is one of my favorite ships now. I mean, it's I, I actually love a really that pretty design. Mm. And, and we've, we kind of joke and we bring up about the um, Excelsior class, but like the Ambassador class is not that much used either. I mean, like it shows up a little bit. In TNG, I don't. Does it ever show up in Deep Space Nine? Yeah, I. I mean, there, I'm sure there's so. one or two in like that giant fleet shot they have, but I would be hard pressed to pick it out. Yeah, it's certainly not. It's certainly never featured. I don't think, or like you know, shows up in docks with the station or anything like that. Which I wonder why. I mean, I, well, I why? How come it wasn't? You know. And they had the model from yesterday's Enterprise, so it's not like they couldn't use it. But, and it, it's like we had four seasons with knowing exactly what it looked like. So why didn't why didn't we see more of, of the ambassador class? Four seasons of TNG or four seasons yeah, of DS Nine after season after season yeah. three of. of but TNG. I'm just saying you had even more with DS Nine. You had all of DS Nine, oh, or you true. could have had it like dock at D Space Nine. Just yeah. you know, for no like reason, for, like for a wedding. Yeah, for I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well. Like we Wait, were who saying, who got married? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I see what you're saying now. Um, so obviously, you know the the biggest bit of information we know about the Enterprise C is its battle in uh, Narenda Three, defending the Klingon outpost from the Romulans, and thus creating everlasting peace, which wasn't really that everlasting, but uh, but it had me thinking that the Enterprise C is really from a different time as far as what was going on in the Federation. I mean, it, the Enterprise D is, is kind of in this period of peace. I mean, it's very diplomatic. It's very exploratory, you know, faring people around. But the Enterprise C's main mission was probably a lot more, you know, defense. And, you know, I mean, the Klingon, you had no standing peace treaty with the Klingons. Like, it, that sounds like James Kirk era. Like, they're just always, you know, shaking things up. Yeah, they had they literally had to wear these giant red coats for when they were on duty. So that's how you know things were rough back then. And they couldn't even afford the collars, you know, anymore. You yeah, know, that's right. Just... They got rid of they got rid of the. Well, no, they somebody finally realized that we didn't need to wear parkas on the bridge anymore. So they like they took the undershirts out. I now. just miss that giant, you know, solar system patch. I mean, we're, that thing was like seven inches <laughs> in diameter, but you know. Nothing like having a map to where your home planet is, like on your sleeve of every member of your crew. But yeah, when, and then the, the ins- I'm, well, I'm trying to think. Like, well, let's just talk about like real life. So, like when the Interstellar Enterprise and they're, they're designing the the Enterprise C, was that was that a redress of the Battle Bridge, or was that a redress of the movie that was ever, whichever one was currently being shot on that time? I don't actually know what I they used for the, the set. Bridge. But it might have been the movie one because which I don't even know which one movie that would have been at the time five or six, it would have been five six. no it would have been six one of the two yeah, well, if it was six it could have literally been the Excelsior Bridge like modified mm-hmm. yeah well they were you know reusing all sorts of sets at that yeah. point so it doesn't <laughs> it's all interchangeable really <laughs> that's true but and we don't really um, it's been a while since I've seen yesterday's Enterprise but I, I don't think. It's pretty much the bridge and like maybe a corridor. Yeah, we don't, we don't really get see much. much inside. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, now, did they have a, a, a you know the 
20, early 24th century version of the holodeck. That's what I want to know. Well, I want to know is when it's like a view between master. 2344 and 2363 was this, did we finally get the uniform change? Well, if we think uh, about it, we know it's at least before Picard lost the, the, the Stargazer. Because in the in that episode, he was wasn't he and his his crew were wearing the TNG uniforms, season one uniforms, in the battle uh, in the season one episode of the battle. I think you're right. I think, I think you're, you're right. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. But we do know so when was, he graduated, he was wearing the maroons. The, of course, that was like maroons, fifty-eight yeah. years. That was in between a long those time times. before. That. <laughs> I mean, he had a little bit of hair. <laughs> Picard is the immortal. Um, there can only be one Highlander. So presumably sometime before yeah. Encounter at Farpoint uh, and after James Kirk was still alive. Well, it depends yeah. whose version of Kirk's timeline you believe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's true because we, we really didn't get know too – I mean, from what little we saw about Captain Garrett, I mean, she, she seemed, um, I mean, tough. But, of course, she just come from a battle. So we didn't really see her, like, at, you know, when it wasn't red alert, what kind of a person. What, you know, was she a scientist or was she a – you know, what was her background? Um, and, yeah. I mean, I she could definitely handle a bloody nose, so – <laughs> I, I love Captain Garrett actually it's one of my favorite parts about the Enterprise and uh, I, I don't know how much we're going to talk about it but I uh, am split on the idea but like would get really excited if they were like to come back and do an Enterprise C show because uh, I would love to see a, a female captain of the Enterprise I think it, I think it would be great Oh, yeah. Well, I was just listening today to the latest uh, Woman at Warp podcast, and they were talking all about female captains besides Captain Janeway. And they had a lot of great things to say about Rachel Garrett. Uh, and yeah, I totally agree. I mean, if if we had a spinoff Enterprise C show, except for probably suffering from uh, prequel, you know, fatigue, I think I think it would do really well. I'd love to see that story. Now, would this prequel have a certain blonde tactical officer? No, 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 but, but. No, it um, can't, because the very end has to be yesterday's Enterprise. Right, so two things about that. Once again, the series series finale will be an episode (laughs) of Star Trek The Next Generation. It's not, and I have to correct you. It wouldn't be a prequel because it would be more like a like a middle quill. Cool. Like, I don't know what you would call. I that. don't think that's going to catch on. <laughs> yeah, no, just, is it like day quill? It's kind of like mid quill, mid noon quill. I don't, I don't know what you would call it, but um, and yeah, like Darren, you're absolutely right. That that it. I guess we would have to see Yar at the end episode of that show. But how cool would that be? Just like. I don't know if they'd have to. This is totally hypothetical. Like, what they what would they do? Would they recast? Would they just cut the clips in? Like, digitally replace people? It would be really interesting to see how they did it. It, would, it might be pretty cool, actually. Now, Rachel Garrett was actually like thirty, but there was this one mission where they encountered this this disease. I know you've never heard of this. You may have seen it, and where where you it ages you. Um, I mean, I may be thinking of the TOS episode. It's not that one. You may be thinking of the TNG episode. It's not that one. Um, but anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> That way you could use well, a different actress, and then like, oh, it's the aging thing. That's why she looks older. But <laughs> well, I mean, there would be a lot of time to talk about the sea because it seemed like it flew for 
what, 12 years? That's longer than Picard has flown the I Enterprise longer D. longer than any Enterprise. I mean, like, except for the NCC-1701, but... Which that, is like 40 years. But, but she's but. <laughs> with the same captain. She probably yeah. would win the record. Yeah. Look at she held down the single. She's the only captain of that ship for twelve years in a row, and then you know gives the Federation peace. Ah, that's pretty impressive. It is, but we don't know who the captain of the Enterprise J was. So that's well, that's true. But I mean, I think <laughs> instead I mean, of he, Captain he Picard can... Day, we should have had Captain Rachel captain Garrett, Garrett Day. Carrot Day, yeah, I think yeah. That'd, I think I think that'd be, be great. Uh, and we... and uh, we would also get. Um, uh, Lieutenant, uh, are you uh, pet- petitioning for Lieutenant Castillo Day? <laughs> no, I'm not. For it's more day. of a Hanukkah type thing. Like some people celebrate it, but some people don't. So the first, uh, the first episode of of Trek FM that I was ever on was a Ready Room. It was Ready Room 99, I think it was, and uh, it was called uh, Shooter Shooter, McG- Shooter McGavin on the Enterprise C. So it's yes. basically Lieutenant Shooter McGavin. Like, so how awesome would that be? I think that would be great. Uh, but well, because you know. To the Journey just did their prequel. Um, well, last week they did their prequel episode of what what would a Voyager prequel look like. But I mean, this is our Better Call Saul of the Enterprise C because <laughs> you know how it's going to end, right? Like, there's no, yeah. you know, they, right. they all die. Spoilers, but um, but well, but still, you get to see apparently. that from the beginning to the end. I think the difficulty again, like I was saying, that what I meant by prequel fatigue was just not so much oh boy another prequel, but more like a lot of the issues enterprise had where well you can't meet the ferengi you can't meet this race you can't meet this race like what's it gonna do it, it that's really hard <laughs> the enterprise c could meet all the races that the enterprise that the nx01 met that for some reason we never met again for 60 years oh, let's but the go enterprise c the totally yeah, yeah, the our friends. All, it's the, everywhere wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So the Enterprise C is the ship of lost toys. Is that what's going on? <laughs> We're on the starship of misfit toys. Nobody no wants to play with an aquatic. Nobody knows about the Zindi anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and and engineer Moonraiser. <laughs> that has to be his name. Oh, um, boy. Back back to our sidebar about the uniforms. I did look up that the the stargazer was lost in twenty three fifty five. So we've narrowed it down to sometime between twenty two forty four and twenty two fifty five. A twenty two year, <laughs> sorry twenty three fifty five. Uh, a twenty two year gap that sometime was when that uh, that uniform change happened. So they went. So when they took off the undershirts, they definitely had the you know the circle collar, even with the maroons, which they kept with the you know the next version of the uniform so there's a you, know, you can see it slightly you know they they like I said they needed something more moisture wicking I think so that's where they went with <laughs> maybe it's like you know how bell bottoms are back in style like the 60s and that's where like the scants come from People are just like, let's go back to the twenty two sixty threes. Yeah. Well, see, like if you actually wear the uh, the monster maroons without pants and really long, it's actually a scant. So that oh, is yeah. true. Can that you imagine true. if so? If Captain Kirk wasn't wearing I'm pants, trying not to imagine. Please don't. <laughs> like imagine, you know, Captain Kirk sitting in his chair and he's got his legs stretched. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's inappropriate. That's not. That's not okay. Well, he has his green maroon jacket. Which doesn't make any sense. His but. green maroon jacket. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, all right, Aaron Harvey of the Babel Conference. I want you to see make Kirk's tw- late twenty third century green maroon dress captain's jacket. 
Man, I would I would have loved if he like they somehow incorporated like he was still the only one wearing it. And it was just green and the sea of red. Like that'd been really cool. And you have like the the Vulcan lieutenant turns around and be like, Captain, I don't think that uniform was authorized. And you hit Lieutenant Hurd was like, <coughs> I, I, I mean, uh. well, it's kind of like when we talked about the USS Pasteur, and I totally thought that all uniforms in the twenty, you know whatever year that was, were just red. I didn't even think about the fact that, oh, that's command division, because that's literally the only color we saw. Well, the, Unless we, we, my we memory's did, we, failing me. Well, but. we did kill the, the blue shirt who was at the con, of course, so. Well, that's yeah, true. But, yeah, well, like I said, it's, you know, this is a nice Captain Size Yacht, uh, yacht episode. Uh, you know, I really, I've, I, you know, I do like the sea. It, it is a a really good looking ship. And I wish we had more than just that kind of stock shot of it <laughs> sitting, you know, in uh, yesterday's enterprise or maybe seeing it all cleaned up. Cause it was kind of beat up and uh pot marked in that, uh, you know, see her in her, in her heyday. Yeah. I mean like, in, like in the environment that like, you know, TV is in now, right. And, and entertainment is in now uh, where we have all of these sorts of crossovers and shared universes and things like that. Yesterday's Enterprise would have been like all of the Enterprises lined up, you know, biggest to smallest, and there would have been this crazy crossover experience, which would have been, yes, it may be not your flavor, but I would, I would have loved it. I would have eaten it up, but because um, I would have just loved to have seen like we could, you know, the D and the C, and then the A ish, those two ships, and then the original <laughs> enter the that would have been great. Well, I mean, A ish is that the new I, class I of? Uh, <laughs> Of Starfleet, they're the same. It's, they're the same. <laughs> well, and I mean, I'm, I'm very frustrated because the Enterprise C, and please don't correct me if I'm wrong, is the only ship Enterprise that has been made as like a a larger ship toy. Mm. I mean, like, like even uh, like, like a Playmates toy well, or yeah, something, or even Diamond Select or any of them. Like I, they've come out with B for some reason, but the, but well, because you know, it's just an no Excelsior mock-up i mean no, no, well, yeah, the, it was literally true. in one episode yeah but i mean like a movie yeah but like but yeah they haven't come out with a c so like i can't have my observation lounge of ships because there's no c there's yeah, no bloody c. All gold <laughs> well the enterprise c is not the only thing we've been talking about here on trek fm here's a look at what else you may have missed on the network previously on trek.fm standard orbit it's not an overstatement, and he had said in your introduction that without, without him and his hand guiding all of this, then, then it's unlikely that two would have been what it was, and if it had not been successful, then it, it, you know, it probably would have meant the end of Star Trek at that point. Earl Grey. Like, I'm expecting Ricardo Martablon to, like, walk around the corner and be like, Captain Picard, welcome. This is Rise of Five. The shuttlecraft, the shuttlecraft. The orb. Curzon is involved with the Kittimer yep. Accords. Spock is at Kittimer when those are being talked about, so you would think they would have run into each other They probably least. hung out in the bar together. To the journey! One guy's like, why don't we just write better stories for Wesley? And then the lead writer's like, you out now! <laughs> the Ready Room. The movie series would not have relaunched and, and become what it was if not for the amazing bounce of... The Wrath of Khan. The Wrath of Khan was to Star Trek the same thing that uh, The Best of Both Worlds was to Next Generation. Commentary, Trek Stars. It's also the end of a character and a thing 
that is really about how uh, death is just a part of life. And that while there's an end, it doesn't mean that it's the end. Literary Treks. Well, I always like the... Uh, I like that episode for... I mean, it's one of the most derided of the of the original series episodes, but yet I always it has a place in my heart for some reason. I've always enjoyed watching mm-hmm. it over. So um, I wanted to do something with those guys, the Scalbians. The Six O Two Club. Like I, I could kind of dismiss Droids in Distress and Fight or Flight and everything like that, and I was just kind of watching the background. But all of a sudden, I started catching myself, like stopping working and, <laughs> and just focusing on watching. And, uh, and so it just got better and better and better. And I think I was hooked by episode four, Breaking Ranks. That's when I was like, okay, I like this show. This is good. Warp 5. In the history of Axanar, Alec Peters and Christian Gossett wrote a section of the history dealing with the Arcanus campaign. And in the Arcanus campaign, a majority of Starfleet ships were destroyed. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So you can check out all these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Basically, you can find them anywhere. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. And if you would like to contact us to share your thoughts on today's show, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose send to show and, of course, select Earl Grey. These messages will be emailed to the three of us personally. Finally, in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm and on Twitter under username trekfm. Our new listener discussion group is called The Babel Conference, found by typing The Babel Conference, of course, in the Facebook search field, so you can find us there. Please support our sponsor, audible.com, who helps us bring Earl Grey to you each week. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books, like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and all of Trek FM. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keep Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that is through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting www.patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all of our great content. So please become a Trek FM patron and visit www.patreon.com slash trekfm today. Well, Philip, if someone wanted to talk to you about... Uh, your secret kish bash to create the ultimate enterprise C for your wall. Where would they talk to you? Um, well, I, I, first I'll apologize to uh, the Diamond Select playmates and uh, my neighbors. Um, and Galoob. So I'll, 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 clean, I'll clean that up later. Um, but they can find me on the Twitter stream, uh, username at NC Public Servant. That's NC for no C on my wall. 
I was going to say, that better be no C. That better be the joke you make. Well, Daniel, if someone wants to read your fan fiction on the uh, series finale of the Enterprise C show slash also a next-gen episode, where would they find you? Called All About Yar. Oh, God. No. No. Uh, No, but uh, they... they, Better call uh, Yar. That would be... Uh, but you can find me on Twitter as well, and my handle is uh, One Up Dan, uh, and that is uh, the number one, not the word. And if someone wants to talk to me about when I'll eventually be doing an episode on the Enterprise J, even with its limited source material, they can find me on Twitter under username Doctor Sci-Fi. That's E R S C I F I. Well, guys, uh, I think I'm going to go pop in my Blu-ray of. Uh, the yesterday's enterprise and just stare at that beautiful beautiful hd footage live long and prosper make it so engage fire <laughs>